Thanks for tuning in to the Follow Church weekly message. Our hope and prayer is that you will find this message uplifting and challenging as we seek to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. Pastor Mark Connor is with us today and it's a real blessing having him here uh, investing into our church over this weekend. Uh, Mark has been involved in church leadership for over three decades He's a gifted leader, speaker, and author who brings a wealth of wisdom and life experience to whatever he engages in. Uh, Mark took over the senior leadership of City Life um, from his father, Kevin Connor, in 1994, when there were around about 1,500 people in attendance. Uh, He was a senior pastor there for the next 22 years, and the church grew to 6,000 people with 11 church services uh, over four locations every weekend. In February 2017, Mark transitioned out of the role of senior minister at City Life, where he was on staff for 32 years. He's now giving himself to training, writing, and coaching others towards greater fruitfulness, which he's obviously going to be doing with us today as well. Mark has a genuine love for people, and I've got to say I've watched Mark from afar for many years when I was at different churches, always with admiration. And one of the things I really appreciated about him, he wouldn't even remember this, but a couple of times I went and saw him speak at different events, and when you spoke to him after it, it was just the same Mark off the stage as he was on the stage, and I always really appreciate that in people that minister. And so it's a real privilege to have him with us today. Um, He's got that genuine love for people. He's got a passion to help them grow and change. And we're excited about what he's going to teach into our church this weekend. And so let's give a really warm follow welcome to Pastor Mark Connor. Thanks, Luke. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much for that uh, kind introduction and great to be here at uh, Follow Church today. What a great church. I wasn't talking about the building. It's a nice building. I was talking about you. What a great church. Seriously, uh, you you should love your church because you're a part of it. And so whether you're visiting today or a regular part of Follow Church, what a fantastic story um, from this church being planted just a few years ago and to see uh, all of you here today and sense what God's doing amongst you as a community. And so thank you for your welcome. Great to be here today. I think uh, Luke has given you the full bio about my life and history. Um, I'm married to Nicole. Um, I was born in Melbourne, grew up in Blackburn South when it was kind of the outer part of Melbourne many, many years ago. Uh, I grew up in America, Portland, Oregon. Uh, My wife, Nicole, was born in Germany, grew up in South Africa, and we met in Rockhampton. (laughs) So we've got a little bit of the United Nations in our family and uh, three 20-something children. And so we're really enjoying this season of life and of ministry and really, really great to be with you here today. You know, uh, 2,000 years ago, Jesus said he would build his church. And uh, when we think of the church Jesus is building, it's, it's not a building, it's not a physical building, it's not an organization, uh, it's actually people. Jesus is building people. And so in a sense, you and I are called to be the church that he's building. Uh, but in another way, we're also called to be builders of the church. The Apostle Paul once said, I'm a co-builder of the church of Jesus Christ. And so, although we are the church as his people, uh, we're also called to be builders of the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, If you've ever been on a building site and you want to actually help to build what's being constructed, then you need a few tools. And uh, tools are how we actually build. And, uh, you know, tools haven't changed much over the years. Most of you got a toolbox somewhere at home, probably got a hammer and a screwdriver and maybe a saw. How I many know it's good to have a toolbox, but it's actually good to use the tools? There's a few elbows flying around there. Uh, and, and so today, I want to share a simple message with you called Building 
God's house. If you'd like to take notes, want to know what the speaker's speaking about, that's our subject for today. And uh, Lachlan's getting that up on the screen. So building God's house. And so if you're going to be a builder of God's house, you also need some tools. And thankfully, we have some incredibly powerful tools. How many like power tools? Some of the guys just locked in there. Uh, We've got some incredibly powerful tools for building the church. Again, every one of you in this room today have these tools. And so there won't be anything new in today's message, so to speak. Uh, Actually, success in life is about doing the basics or the simple things well. Uh, There's a guy called John Maxwell, and he once said, most Christians are educated beyond the level of their obedience. Ouch. (laughs) In other words, we know a lot of things. We don't necessarily need to learn new things. We need some help doing what we already know. And so some of the tools I talk about, you go, oh, yeah, 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 I got that tool. The question is not, do we have the tools, but are we using these tools? And so I want to share a couple of tools today that you can use, every one of us, to actually build what God's doing here at Follow Church. How does that sound? I'm going to do it anyway. Just thought I'd check with you. So how about we pray? God, it is good to be together today. Thank you for this day. It's the day you've made, and it's really good to be gathered here today. I don't know everyone in the room, but you do. And so I pray that you would take uh, my few words today, and you would speak to every person in a very personal way, a very powerful way, so that we could all hear from you, be impacted, be changed, and grow, and you would continue to build your church uh, here, follow church. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. 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 Well, let's look at the first tool. Uh, If you've got a Bible, we're going to turn to 1 Peter 4. If you don't, we've got coming up on the screen, 1 Peter 4, verse 8 to 9. The first tool is simply the tool of love. And I'm going to mention these tools as verbs because they're all action words. They're tools that we need to use. Uh, The Apostle Peter, writing to some churches back in the first century, he says, above all, is a pretty important tool, above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. (laughs) Of all the things, Peter could have said, hey, hey, make sure you do this. He says, hey, love one another. Be hospitable, which means to be friendly, to look out for the newcomer. This is his most important thing that he's sharing with them. If you've ever asked yourself, what's the measure of a great church? Like, what, what actually makes a great church? Is it the size of the church? Some people think, you know, a big church is a better church. Uh, How many know if your neighbor has more kids than you do, doesn't mean their family's better than yours? (laughs) Just mean they got a lot lot more work, a lot more mess. Uh, You'll never hear a letter in the New Testament with something like, I hear you've broken the 200 barrier. It's just not there. There's nothing wrong with numbers. There's a whole book of numbers in the Bible. So, you know, uh, nothing wrong with numbers, but you will hear things like, I hear that the love you have for each other is growing. I think the the measure of a great church is not the size of the church, it's actually the love, it's the genuine community and care and concern that happens in a church. And and it starts with being friendly, being hospitable. And again, the size of the church doesn't determine the friendliness of the church. I, I once visited a church of 20 people and no one spoke to me. And it's not like I hide in a crowd. 
And I've also been in a church of thousands of people and felt very welcome. It's not the size, it's the friendliness. It's looking out. And you know, friendliness is not just being friendly with our friends. It's actually looking out for that new person that may have come along today. Let me illustrate this. Is Brenton still around? I met Brenton a little earlier. He was over. He's moved. Hey, Brenton, can you come and help me here for this morning? Come on, give, give Brenton a big clap. Come on. It's all right. Just down here. Just down here. Come on, you're getting married in January, so just, you know, a little bit of practice being up in front of people if you haven't done that before. Uh, Brenton's going to be our visitor today, and I need about six or seven other volunteers, all right? Six or, yeah, C come on, kids. Come, come on through. That's two. I need another three or four volunteers. Who can help me today? Come on. This, you're, you're Jenny's husband? I am. Luke's dad? I am. What's your name? Paul. Paul. Come on, Paul. I met Peter over here. Okay, one more. That'll be great. This is a little skit. We've been rehearsing this all morning. Now, I want you, you guys come over here. Come over into a circle. Stay, stay there, Brenton. Stay there. Uh, Sorry, into a man. circle. And at the count of three, I want you guys to be friendly. Ready? One, two, three. Okay, pause, 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 pause. It's a really friendly church. Just pause, just pause. Is, is, is this a friendly church? Is this a friendly church? For us, yes. Looks pretty friendly to me. Uh, Brenton, is this a friendly church? No. <laughs> no. No, just, don't, just right. <laughs> don't ruin my skit here. Sometimes we think being friendly is being friendly with our, ch our friends. So we had that little greeting time, which is great. But how many know that greeting time is the extrovert's favorite part of the meeting? And the introverts, that's the toilet break moment right there. I'm out of here. But, but you know, it's easy to come to church and find our friends and, hey, how are you going? It's the visitor that determines whether a church is friendly or not. And so what we're going to do, this is your cue now, is break out of our circle. <laughs> Hello? Come over here. And, hey, Brenton. Paul, what are you doing for lunch? Sylvia, come say hello. All right, give our drama team a good clap here today. <laughs> you like him, right? Yeah, okay. He's fantastic. Now, now look, I, I know that's really deep for Sunday morning. But, but Peter's saying, above all, love one another, be hospitable. Uh, I'll tell you a story when I was at City Life, and if you've heard some of my stories before, apologies, I've only lived one life, so I have limited material. Uh, but I was standing in the foyer after church one day, and uh, I met a new family. I said, hey, how are you guys going? I've been here just a, a couple of weeks. I said, how are you settling in? They said, great. Uh, they said, you know, you have that little greeting time? The first Sunday we're here, we turned around, and there was an elderly couple, and they invited us out for lunch, and we've been here ever since. I said, really? I, I said, who was that? They said, Stan and Vivian Austin. Stan and Vivian Austin. You know them, Viv, don't you? And, and you know, I thought, Stan and Vivian are, are some seniors. They were seniors in the church time. They've never been on the platform. Never sung behind a microphone. But that act of hospitality did as much to build our church as any sermon I've ever preached. 
It's so, so true. You know, people will pass by churches to find somewhere where it matters that they're there, where people care, where people are reaching out to them. So this is the first tool, is simply to love, to look out. It starts with friendliness and it moves into our relationships and the kind of community that we build. Number two, the second tool. Uh, let's keep reading. Verse 10, onto the next slide. Thank you, Lachlan. Uh, uh, Peter goes on in verse 10 and says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So first of all, Peter says, uh, make sure you're a loving community. You're using this tool of love and friendliness and reaching out. Secondly, he said, every one of you have got at least one or more spiritual gifts. And it's not enough just to have those gifts, but use those gifts. And as you serve, as you use your gifts, the church begins to grow. You know, um, there are many metaphors or pictures of the church in the New Testament. One of them is like a body. The church is a body with many members, and as every member functions, then the, the, the body is healthy and active and productive. Uh, I think today, if we were to pick a modern metaphor, I like the idea of a team. I, I love sports. Uh, Basketball is my favorite sport, um, but some of you might be footy uh, fans. You know, if you've ever been to a, a football game, imagine going to a game. Let's say it's football now, and it's the Saints versus the Demons. Who are we barracking for? The Saints. Good. Just checking. Someone just came alive right there. And, and so you get, to, you get to the game, and, and you're up in the stands, you got your drink, and you're hoping the Saints can win today. And so anyway, the game starts. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no pun intended. Uh, it's just an example. Uh, so, so here you are. You're cheering the Saints on. You're hoping they can win today. Anyway, the whistle blows. And all of the Saints players sit on the sideline and they send the coach out to play by himself. And so the coach is there doing the jump ball, uh, in, in playing ruck. He's, he's there playing defense. He's kicking to himself. He's trying to mark. He's trying to kick. But there's so many demons that the demons are kicking goal after goal. And, and the coach is trying his best. He's playing every position. And all the players are going, come on, coach. You can do it, coach. Come on, coach. If you saw a team like that, what would you think? If you're German, you, you, no, if you're German, you go, Dumgoff, you know? So it's stupid. Well, anyway, eventually the coach faints and they carry him off on a stretcher and then they send out the assistant coach. <laughs> and the assistant coach is doing his very, very best, but there's so many demons, they're scoring goal after goal. If you saw a team like that, you would go, what in the world is going on? But do you know a lot of churches are like that? Not this church, but other churches. <laughs> you arrive, the pastor welcomes you at the front door, gets up, plays the guitar, makes the announcement, preaches his her, her heart out, goes to the front door and says, thanks for coming, see you next week. And we wonder why so many pastors are burning out. You know, church was never meant to be a one-man band. Moses tried it. Remember Moses? Moses was the original one-man band. And he didn't have a nice church like Follow Church. He had about 600,000 people, I think. That's a pretty big church. And they were mumbling, rumbling, murmuring bunch. I mean, some days he wanted to kill them all. And God's going, no, Moses, no, Moses. Other days, God wanted to kill them all. And Moses is going, no, God, no, God. It's a good thing for Israel. God and Moses didn't have a bad day on the same day. So it wasn't a nice church like Follow Church. But remember Moses? He was doing everything himself. 
and, and his father-in-law says, this is crazy, you're wearing yourself out. Raise up some other leaders. See, the church is meant to be a team. Thank God for halftime. <laughs> and we're in a spiritual halftime in the church where leaders are realizing my job is not to do everything. Luke and Kim and uh, the rest of the team, it's not their job to do everything. Uh, actually, we need everybody on the field. Unless you're injured or uh, in training, we need everybody on the field. And if we could just get everyone serving, maybe we can turn this around in the second half for Jesus. Amen? Amen. Come on, give Jesus a clap. Give Jesus a clap. Yes. So, I see volunteers everywhere here today serving, using their gifts. And thank you for serving. Uh, there are so many opportunities. You know, in a church like this, it's easy to sit here and say, well, they don't really need me. But I could guarantee there's no ministry at Follow Church with a no vacancy sign on it. There's a spot. There's a place for you. And so don't just sit on the sidelines. You've got gifts. You've got passions. And as you don't just have that tool of serving, but begin to use it, uh, I tell you what, this church will grow and be healthy and impacting when everyone uses their gifts. Can I have an amen on that one? Amen. All right. Third tool is the tool of worship. Uh, we know worship is 24-7, it's our lifestyle, it's the way we live our lives. But in Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, the writer says, Hey, don't, d let us consider how we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Interesting, in the first century, they had a little bit of a problem. People kind of coming to Jesus, being a part of the community, and then drifting out a little bit. And uh, that's something happening in our world today. You meet many Christians who aren't part of a church. Uh, it's, to me, it's, it's a little bit like a, if you think of a fire made up of many coals. How many know if you have one coal roll out by itself, the fire's probably not going to last that long? But when you get all the coals together, there's a synergy. There's something that happens when we're together. And, you know, we, we need our own time with God, and we can follow Him as an individual. But there's something that happens when we gather together. As we begin to sing today, as we're sharing today, my faith, my, my uh, love for God is, is enhanced by being together here with you. And so another great tool is simply to gather together for the worship experiences here at Follow Church. In fact, Jesus himself, if you look in the book of Luke, it says uh, every Saturday, every Sabbath, he went to the synagogue as his habit was. That's pretty cool. Jesus had a habit of going to the synagogue. It didn't say he went to the synagogue when Rabbi so-and-so was speaking. Didn't say he went to the synagogue when the weather was good. No, no, he just had a habit. It's a really good thing to have a habit of gathering with God's people. It helps to build the church. But you know, it's not just gathering. It's not just being here, having your body here. How we come actually affects what happens in the gathering. Uh, I used to uh, be involved in the worship ministry. It was great to have Paul and Jen and the team leading us today. And uh, I led worship for many years and... Uh, Back in 1990, last century, I was uh, invited to play keyboards um, for a worship tour right around Australia with uh, uh, an Afro-American named Ron Canoli. Anyone remember Ron Canoli? Lift him up. 
now you're showing your age. Uh, and so I was so excited, a little nervous, because these songs are a little bit more difficult than This Is The Day. Remember those? You know, kind of uh, moved up a bit musically. And so um, we, we were traveling right around the country, and so I was practicing for months, you know, getting ready to uh, tour with this band. Anyway, so we got together, and off we went. And so we went to our first city, and uh, we got there. It was one of the biggest churches in the city, um, huge auditorium. We got there early. We had a great prayer time. We had an amazing rehearsal. Uh, we were ready to go. Well, we came out, and Ron led the meeting, and it was just flat. Have been in one of those meetings where you wondered where God was? Maybe you were leading that meeting. You know, it, it just was really hard going. Anyway, so we, we packed all our gear up, went back to the hotel, got on the plane the next day, went to the next city. The plane was late, and uh, we, we got to the church building late. In fact, we didn't even have a sound check. In fact, I don't even think we had time to really pray because the meeting was starting. So we jumped on stage. We hadn't practiced. We hadn't prayed. And the meeting started. John did, uh, uh, Ron did the same song list, and the meeting exploded. I mean, when I say exploded, it was electric. The, the, the dynamic Ron took off, and there was things happening in the meeting, and God was at work. And I'm sitting there at the keyboards, I'm going, what, what happened? We did this last night, and then we did it tonight. Same song list. Tonight is amazing. Last night was difficult. I thought, what was the difference? The second night, we didn't pray and we didn't practice. Maybe that's the key to a great meeting. <laughs> Don't pray, don't practice. You know what the difference was? It actually wasn't us. It was the people. It was the people. The people the second night came with expectation. They came, they were responsive, they were anticipating. The first night, people came to spectate. Oh, who's this Afro-American guy? They came to kind of critique, to have a look. The difference was not the people up here. It was the congregation. It's actually biblical, you know. Jesus had some meetings that didn't go too well. Have you heard about that? It's like, Jesus, didn't you pray enough today? No, 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 because there wasn't much faith, wasn't much expectation in the people. And so I just want to encourage you, you know, when we come to a gathering like today, we pray Paul and Jen and the team have prayed and they're ready to go. But, you know, there's something called a corporate anointing. It's not just the anointing or the spirit on the people on this little platform here. You and I contribute to what happens in the meeting. You know, I, I, I love sport, as I mentioned, but you know, I love to go to sports games and just watch some of the real fans. Have you ever seen real fans? I mean, real fans get to the game early. Not Christian standard time. They get there early. Real fans pay extra money for the front seats. Real fans turn up even when the weather's not that good. And have you noticed the ticket prices go up every year and real fans never complain? I think tithing's been at 10% for about 3,000 years now. <laughs> Hasn't been going 11, 12, 13, you know. And if the game goes into overtime, you'll never hear a real fan go, oh, when's this going to finish? <laughs> like they're excited. And also, have you ever noticed in a football game how kind of introverted, quiet people will morph into something you go, where did that come from? See, the Bible does not say, clap your hands, all you extroverted people. <laughs> I kind of sense there's some Jesus fans here today. Yes? Come on, give Jesus one more clap. Yes. 
I'm just encouraging you. You want to build, follow church? I tell you what, there's something about the atmosphere that is created, not just by those who are up front, but by every one of us. What we bring to the room, our hearts, our responsiveness, helps to build the church. Uh, a funny story, a good friend of mine pastored in Perth for many years, and uh, after the end of the meeting, uh, a, a woman came up and uh, said to him, I'm so, I'm so sorry, Pastor, but I, I didn't get any, anything out of the worship this morning. And my friend is very witty. Uh, straight face, he said, I'm so sorry. There's been a misunderstanding. We weren't worshipping you. <laughs> now, I know it's funny, but, you know, the question is not, did you guys enjoy the worship today? The question is, did God get anything out of it today? Because it's for him. When we sing, when we pray, it's for Him. He's looking at our hearts. It's for Him. And so this is a wonderful tool. It's simply the tool of worship. Uh, let's keep moving in our toolbox. We're doing okay today? Yeah. Doing all right? I'm enjoying this. I'm getting something out of it, even if you aren't. <laughs> I know you are. I know you are. Let's look at another tool. So love, serve, worship. Number four is to pray. Is to pray. And we've done that already in our meeting today. First Timothy 2. I urge then... First of all, ooh, important tool, request prayer, intercessions, thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and for those in authority, that we might live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved. I love that line. And come to a knowledge of the truth. Another tool in your toolbox is the tool of prayer. And hopefully you talk to God. That's what prayer is. And you can talk to God about what's on your heart and your own needs, your own concerns. Paul says, hey, hey, when you pray, uh, pray for your leaders. Pray for those in authority. You know, leaders aren't any different than people who aren't leaders. We're all made of the same stuff. But leaders do carry an extra responsibility. There's an extra burden. And sometimes they're the point of the attack. And so when we pray and then pray for our leaders, something dynamic happens. There's an amazing story in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 17. And there's this battle between Israel and the Amalekites. And Joshua is leading the army. He's right in the valley. He's at the front of the army. And they're fighting this intense battle against the Amalekites. We're told that up on the mountain, there's this man named Moses. And, and the Bible says as Moses lifts his hands up, uh, Joshua and Israel are winning the battle. <laughs> But as soon as he gets a little tired and lowers his hands, they start to lose the battle. I'm not sure how many times this went. Up, forward, down, losing. I'm not sure how many times this happened until two other guys, Aaron and Hur, said, did you see that? And so they got under Moses' arms and they had their hands under his hands. So now we've got three people, Moses, Aaron, and Hur. And it says, as Moses' hands were lifted up to heaven, Joshua and Israel won the battle that day. What's the lesson? Uh, victory that day was not the skill of Joshua as a warrior. It was the intercessory prayer happening behind the scenes that made the difference that day. I want to encourage you. You've got great leaders, Luke and Kim and the rest of the team here. And they've got great abilities and great skills and great hearts. But I tell you what, when we pray for them, something dynamic happens. When we pray God's blessing on them. God will give them wisdom and courage and faith and discernment. As we pray for them, the, the, the army of God begins to move forward. It's a very, very powerful tool. 
uh, encourage your leaders. Luke didn't t- uh, tell me to say this. I'm, in fact, Luke, just don't listen for a minute. Um, <laughs> I have a good friend, uh, Roland Croucher. Uh, he's a good friend, but that's not the one I'm talking about. Um, Keith Farmer. And Keith Farmer, up to a few years ago, was mentoring over 100 pastors all around Australia, 100 pastors. Um, and uh, he, he told me this. He says, Mark, usually at the end of my mentoring time, I'll say to the pastor, if the enemy could get you in any way, where are you most vulnerable right now? And you know what he said nine out of ten say? Discouragement. Quite, quite shocking. It wasn't the big temptations. It was simply discouragement. And so I want to uh, encourage you to be an encourager. Don't let the pastor only hear from you when you're not happy. When you don't like something. Uh, how many like a boss that only talks to you when you've done something wrong? You know, uh, some people once called them seagull managers. You don't see them, and then they come in, flap, dump on you, and then flap out. <laughs> it's not a real pleasant experience. No, no, don't just contact your leader when you've got a complaint. Encourage one another. Encourage your leader. Spur them on. Pray for them. What a difference that makes. Luke, you can tune back in now. Couple more tools, and then I'm finished. Number five, our fifth tool. Boy, this is an important tool. It's called protect the unity. Ephesians 4, verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. United, follow church will stand. Divided, it will fall. You know, it's inevitable that offenses will happen. If someone hasn't offended you in this church, you haven't been here long enough, or you need to get around a little bit more. It's going to happen. See, I know every church has what I would call Mr. and Mrs. Sandpaper. You know, people that just rub you the wrong way. Every church has them. They're they're, they're everywhere. And, and, you know, you could actually leave this church and go to another church. Let me just let you know, they've got cousins everywhere. (laughs) Everywhere. Everywhere there are people that annoy you. A, A little tip for you. You know, don't just pray to get away from those people. I'm not talking about bullies or staying in a an abusive situation, but just annoying people. Don't pray to get away from them. Ask yourself, God, what are you wanting to do in me through them? Have you found that character develops in the condition opposite to the character quality? I'm very patient when I'm not waiting. I'm very forgiving when no one's offended me. You with me? Characters actually developed in situations that are opposite. And so if you've got someone you're having a little bit of tension with, just say, hey, God, what are you trying to do in me through them? Because you can replace them and God'll do, God has backups, you know? <laughs> Until we actually learn. So protect the unity. Uh, there is a scripture in Matthew 18... Uh, where Jesus says, you know, when, you, when your brother or your sister offends you, uh, go. Everyone say go. 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 go to them and sort it out. If you can't sort it out, get someone else involved. In the, in the Greek language, the original word for go, if you go right back to the original etymology of the word go, it actually means go. <laughs> I went to Bible college. It doesn't mean pray. It doesn't mean pass it on. It actually means go. It's probably the most disobeyed command of Jesus, because we do everything but go. Boy, if we just go, what a difference it could make. What a difference. Uh, You know, most of us 
carry two buckets with us, a bucket of kerosene and a bucket of water. <laughs> and as you journey around church and uh, life, you will have little spot fires come your way. <laughs> Did you hear about? And you can take out the kerosene bucket and go, really? Then what happened? And you can just spread that fire and, hey, did you hear about? Or we can take out the water bucket and go, really? Are you sure that happened? How about we go and chat to them about that? What, what a difference that makes. When we actually take this tool, make every effort, it takes an effort. It takes an effort. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Be a peacemaker. Be someone who seeks to resolve offenses when they Happen. Two more. Number six, our sixth tool is to give. And we already heard a little bit about this. Uh, God, of course, uh, owns all that we have. Uh, how many know you can't sing, I surrender 10%. I surrender 10%. 10% to G. No, no. All we have belongs to God. Uh, it all comes from Him. Uh, but the, the principle is to take the first part. Proverbs 3 verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits, not the leftovers, <laughs> the first fruits of all of your crops. It was an agricultural society. The principle's the same. As you receive income, as God blesses you, as finances come into your world, honor the Lord with the first part of that increase. And you know, as we all do our part, as everyone gives, it's not equal amounts, but equal uh, sacrifice, then there'll be enough resources for the vision that God has for Follow Church. You know, when it comes to giving, um, I think we need a bit of a paradigm shift. Uh, we need to see our stuff in a different way. Uh, I see lots of parents in the room today. Have you ever been to McDonald's, you know, the Golden Arches restaurant? Um, have you ever been to McDonald's with your little angels and you buy them a Happy Meal? And uh, as they're sitting down eating their Happy Meal, suddenly you feel a little hungry and you look at those hot, crispy chips and you reach out and go, can, I, can Daddy or Mommy have one? And your little angel goes, no! <laughs> Has that ever happened to you? <laughs> what do you feel in that moment? You know what I think? I paid for those fries! <laughs> and then I think, I've got enough money to go buy all the fries I'll ever need. And then I think, I can make sure you, while you live under our roof, you never have a fry again. <laughs> now, no, don't say that, but that's what I think. When they go, no. You know, when we don't give, when we're tight-fisted, when we're stingy, I think that's how God feels. Because how many know he's the fry maker? God is the fry. Where do you think those fries came from? They came from God. If you hang on to them, they're going to get cold and soggy, and he can just shut down the fry machine for a while. But I tell you what, when we open our hands, when we share our fries, he's got an amazing ability to cook up some fresh fries. See, if God can get stuff through you, he'll keep getting stuff to you. But if you kind of stop and be the, the, the end of it all, then we actually stop his blessing in our life. And so giving, very, very simple giving to God and his work so that there's enough for the mission of the church. Number seven, our seventh tool. There are many more. We've just looked at seven. Number seven is to reach out. Uh, this is a great scripture in Luke 15. Jesus is hanging out with all sorts of people. Religious people are a little uncomfortable with some of the people Jesus is spending time with. And so he tells three parables, a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. At the end of one of the parables, he says, I tell you, in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 who do not need to repent. This tells us that heaven's priority is reaching out. 
Uh, there's more joy. Everyone say more joy. How many think heaven's joyful? Yeah, yeah, I mean, heaven, when we're singing today, heaven's joyful. When the greeting time's on, heaven's joyful. Hopefully when the preaching's on today, heaven's still joyful. When we're going to fellowship a little later, heaven's joyful all the time. But the Bible says there's more joy. <laughs> the joy level goes up when a person finds God, becomes aware of God, turns around and connects with God. And so as a church, we need to have the same priority. See, I love your mission statement, love your vision statement. But basically, all churches exist for three reasons. We're here to love God, we're here to love each other, and to reach out. Pretty, pretty simple. Have you ever thought about it logically? If we're only here for one and two, we might as well go to heaven right now. I mean, when we baptize you, we might as well just hold you under a little longer. <laughs> all the bubbles gone. Straight to heaven, no backsliding. It's okay if you're visiting, they don't do that here at Bowler Church. If we're only here to love God and love each other, we might as well go to heaven now because up in heaven we'll see God face to face. Up in heaven you'll be easier to love because you'll be perfect. If we're only here to love God and love each other, we might as well go now. No, the only reason we're still here is God's long suffering, He's patient, He's wanting everyone to have an opportunity to respond to his love. And so here is where we all get involved in reaching out. Now, not all of us have the gift of evangelism, but all of us can do the work of an evangelist. And most people come to faith through a series, through a journey, through a series of events and experiences. It's a bit like a chain with many links in it. And sometimes you're the first link, the first Christian someone meets. Sometimes you're the last link who sees someone cross a line of faith. More often than not, you'll just be one of the middle links. Just don't be the missing link. So we're all part of this journey. We don't have to do the whole process ourselves. We just got to actually be a part of God's work. And the good news about reaching out, mission isn't your job or my job or even the work of the church. Mission is the work of God himself. God is a missionary God. God is on mission right now while we're here this morning. We don't have to do the work ourselves. We just simply have to join him in his work of mission. I'll tell you, tell you a funny story happened a few years ago over at City Life when I was there. Um, there was a lady in the community, middle-aged. Uh, her name was Bev. Uh, not a person of faith. Went to a Catholic girls' school, but hadn't really kind of followed up in any kind of relationship with God. So she's mid-aged, uh, she's at a job, and they had a training day at her work. And at the training day, there was this kind of motivational seminar, and the speaker was talking about getting out of your box and out of your comfort zone and do something you wouldn't do, break the fear barrier. Now, now Bev's a bit of an introverted person, so it's a bit overwhelming for her. But nevertheless, she, she kind of listened to the seminar. And uh, anyway, the next day, she was home, it was a Saturday, and there was a knock at her door. And it was the, the Mormon, uh, Mormon people coming around, you know, doing their door knock. Now, again, she would normally not invite strangers in, but the seminar said to do something different. So she brought them in, had a cup of tea, chatted. They talked about their religion. And they said, would you come to our gathering at the Mormon temple on Sunday morning? And normally she wouldn't do this, but the seminar said, you know, do something different. She says, okay, I'll be there. So Bev gets up, showers, dresses, Sunday morning. She's driving down High Street Road. One turn of road, uh, one turn of south. She goes down High Street Road. She gets to Kathy's Lane. Instead of turning right up the hill to the Mormon Temple, she accidentally turns left and comes into City Life Church. So she's kind of walking around our church, and she's asking for Elder so-and-so. 
where's elder so-and-so? No one's heard of elder so-and-so. Eventually, one of our hospitality teams realized she was looking for the Mormon church up the road and said, oh, look, you probably look, we've got to train our team better. But anyway, so <laughs> she, uh, she got back in her car and she drove up to Kathy's Lane North, found the Mormon temple with the Moroni guy up the top, and she arrived. There was elder so-and-so, but she was late now, and he was really upset. In fact, he was quite rude. He says, you're late. You're supposed to be here. Anyway, she went into their meeting. She sat down for a while, and she didn't like it. And so after a few minutes, she got up. She left the meeting. She got in her car, and she drove down the hill, and she went to City Life. She kept coming Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And after a few months, she made a decision to enter into a relationship with God. Now, the thing I love about that story is the only hero is God. Just think about this. God is using a motivational seminar. Not a Christian preacher. A motivational seminar. Get out of the box. Do something different. God is using a wrong turn on a Sunday morning. God is using a grumpy Mormon elder. Bless his socks. God is orchestrating all of this to get Bev in a place where she knows that there's a God who loves her. I've got to believe this community is full of bevs. And God right now is on his work of mission. And all you and I need to do is to be there, build a relationship, be a blessing, meet a need, and look for those opportunities as we all reach out. What a difference that can make. So, on to our next slide. Simple message today. Building God's house. Seven powerful tools. Uh, love, serve, worship, pray, protect the unity, give, reach out. Now, the goal of this message is not to give you seven more things to do. <laughs> You're busy people. Christmas is not far away. This is not a message for you to go out here and go, oh, look, I'm so behind already, and now that preacher's given me seven more things. No, no, that's, that's not the goal of the message. I, I wonder which of these tools God spoke to you about today. You, you've got all of them. We've all got them. Uh, which ones are using, was there one particular that maybe the Holy Spirit just nudged you about today? Maybe it's that hospitality, that greeting time, go find Brenton. <laughs> go find that, hey, I haven't met you before, what was your name? Uh, maybe it's seeing someone say, hey, you want to do coffee now? Maybe it's that hospitality one. Maybe it's serving, maybe you're here, maybe you once served in a church but you're kind of burnt out and you go, <laughs> been there, bought the t-shirt, watched the movie, not me. I, I know that feeling. Sometimes you just need a rest. Sometimes you're just tired. Sometimes you need to heal up. But, but at some point, you've you got to get back in. You've got to get back on the field. And so, so maybe for you today, it's, yeah, I need to go speak to Rowan or Christine or Dave or one of the leaders and say, hey, look, I, I think I could help you. Maybe that's your response today. Maybe it's just a different approach to our worship gathering, getting here a little early and just uh, you being a part of the atmosphere. Maybe it's just including in your prayer. I'm going to pray for, for Luke and, and Kim. I'm going to pray for Follow Church. Maybe, maybe that's it. But maybe it's to protect the unity. Maybe there's something right now that you're aware of, and it's, hey, hey can we do lunch? Maybe there's just a, a conversation that could happen that could bring peace again. Uh, maybe it's giving. Maybe it's reaching out. I don't know which tool it, what it is for you, but I pray that you'll respond to what the Holy Spirit said to you today. Here's the amazing thing. You read through the Bible, if we put God's house first, he promises to build our house. 
And the truth is, we've all got our concerns, we've all got our issues and family and life and finances and we've got lots of stuff in our world. But Jesus said, if you seek first my kingdom, I'll come in and I'll help you with all that you're facing. And so I want to encourage you today. Maybe you're not even here thinking about building God's house. You're so busy with your world. I want to encourage you, build God's house. Remembrance today. We're remembering people who gave their lives for our freedom. What, what, what a challenge for us to actually give our life for the, the, the great work Jesus is doing in our world, building his church. Everyone said amen. amen. Let me pray for you as uh, the worship team comes forward. God, today we've covered a lot of territory. Uh, Jesus, thank you. You're still building your church. And imagine a community of believers where everybody is loving, serving, worshiping, praying, guarding the unity, giving and reaching out. Wow, what a strong, vibrant, thriving community that will be impacting its community, city, and even the nations of the world. And I know that's your vision. That's your heart for Follow Church. And so thank you for all those that are serving. There'll be some people here today that are using all these tools. And I just say, well done, good and faithful servant. May your blessing be upon them. For those that were prompted, just maybe in one area today, Lord, give them the courage to do something with what they've heard. Lord, for those that are going through some difficult times now, maybe serving you and going, God, where are you? God, you're the God of through. You take it when we go through the fire, when we go through the flood, you will bring us to the other side. <laughs> sometimes we'd like to go around the fire, or over the fire, or under the fire. <laughs> but God, sometimes you take us through things, but you're there with us and you bring us to the other side. And so I pray today for all of the people here this morning, part of Follow Church. Lord, for those that may be visiting, maybe just came along with a friend today, maybe never been to church before, maybe not even sure if you're real. Lord, today, would you just touch them, reveal yourself to them, show them that you love them, that you care for them, you have an amazing purpose for their life, and may, may they take a step closer to knowing you, walking with you today, I pray. Bless Follow Church, may its vision and its mission be strong. Pray for Luke and the leadership team, every member here. New people as they come in, God, that this would be a church that you are building, making a positive impact on our community. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to our message this week. If it stirred your heart and you would like to talk to someone more about it or pray with someone, please get in touch with us at info at follow.church and one of our pastoral team will get back to you as soon as possible. If you'd like more information about Follow and our various ministries, including weekly service times and location, please check out our website, www.follow.church. Thanks again for joining us. God bless.